Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello, chaps. Hi, Dave. Oh, and then he, Dave brings in uh, Abira Moretti into shot. We will be talking about uh, our second victory of the season against Leeds. And, uh, and then we'll be talking about the continuing transfer saga. At time of recording, we haven't re- uh, signed any more players since the last podcast, but that could be about to change. Uh, the big news from uh, the podcast, uh, I was going to say clientele, but we're not clientele, are we? The, no. the, 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 the podcast staff, the podcast stars, <laughs> myself, like that. Paul and Dave is that uh, me and Paul watched the Leeds game together. Uh, Paul's doing dry, dry January. It's, uh, it was, the game occurred on January 22nd. And uh, we won that game. And I think it was at that moment, Paul, what happened? I thought, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd felt, I felt dry enough. I needed to get a bit wetter. So I did. Did you feel good about that decision? I did. Yeah. Three Do weeks. Do you think off. you would have done it if we hadn't won? No. It's not often. I mean, it's, are... a, it's a twice a year event at the minute, Newcastle winning a game of football. <laughs> <laughs> right. It only happens as often as the Queen has a birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only time I drink as well when the Queen has a birthday. Right. Are you you're drinking tonight, Paul? Is that alcohol that you're drinking? That is a 0% beer. Oh, right. It's so you're still nice. being disciplined. Still in the week, yeah. I'm not an animal. Mm. Newcastle haven't won today, so why would, I, why would I have a drink? Fair enough. Fair enough. It would have been, been an altogether different story in the 90s. Um, I would have been so, a very, very drunk 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> so, um Yes. We we won a game. Dave, how did you feel about it? Um, bizarrely, like, you know how the Burnley game, we clung on? And you know how it, the Norwich game, the Watford game, we were clinging on, but eventually didn't cling on. This felt pretty comfortable. Not like, we weren't like 3-0 up and, and chilling, but it was, it was like a 1-0 victory where as the game went on, I, I felt more and more confident that we'd see it out. And I, I don't think that's been the case under Howe, certainly. And and Bruce, yeah, just... I, I, was, I was really impressed with us. I think my big thing from it, very quickly, is just that I expected, against this lead side under, under Bielsa, I expected this group of players who haven't had 
a lot of coaching over the last couple of years and who haven't been particularly fit over the last couple of years. I expected us to fade quite badly and we didn't. We just seemed to get stronger and stronger as the game grew on. Paul, did, did you feel comfortable? I never feel comfortable when it's only a one-goal lead because, I mean, this season alone, how many leads have we given away? But I think... I kind of agree with Dave. I think it was our least naive performance in a long time. It wasn't sort the last few games you've kind of thought this is a matter of when we concede. We looked defensively better with a one nil lead than we did at nil nil. And that's yeah, yeah. That felt we were doing good kind of the little things like delaying the game at the start, not letting leads get into their rhythm. It looked quite a streetwise performance compared to what we've had lately. I think Fair a caveat to that is I don't think we'll come up against many attacks as blunt as Leeds has seemed to be. Well, yeah, I mean, they were missing, they didn't have a fit striker on the pitch and they were playing, you know, players out of position in that in that striking role. And I think it was highlighted on Match of the Day, certainly, that nobody was making the runs into the box and they, they were putting the balls where a striker would be. And had the striker been there, it could have been a you know a, a much change a much different story, but they didn't, and they didn't adapt their game to the fact that they didn't have a striker. So we took advantage of it. And like Paul says, a shit house win. I'm, I'm all over that. I love a shit house win. I don't, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have described it as comfortable. I can see what you're saying though. That um, compared with other games this season, we have a number of times gone one 0 ahead, and it's not worked out well. Um, but this did look like, compared with most of those performances, like a pretty professional display. It feels like there must have been a lot of, <clears throat> you'd have to hope anyway, there must have been a lot of chat about, uh, this is our plan for when we go, and if we go 1-0 ahead, let's mm. sort this fucking thing out. Um, yeah. Bizarrely, I, I, I think, think it was a game. Sorry, I think it was a game that could have, I wouldn't have described it as a comfortable victory. I think it was a game that could have gone either way. I mean, it is yeah. either way. Yes, they've got a striker missing, and that was probably a, a major, major factor. But, you know, I think they were probably the better side in the first half, and mm-hmm. uh, it could have gone either way. But, I mean, that's that does not necessarily a bad thing. We desperately needed a win, and, and we got one. So... I think yeah. as well we've had plenty of games. Go on, Paul. We've had plenty of games this season that could have gone either way and went against us as well. So it didn't feel in the in the grand scheme of things, it didn't feel totally undeserved. Another, I was just gonna another I, team another victory team photo. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, which is an embarrassing habit. It suggests I don't it, perhaps not everyone has seen this. We did a great big team celebratory photo after our victory against Burnley, and we did another one against after this victory. It's it's a little bit non-league side mm, in the cup. Yeah. It's, it's, it's <laughs> not beating a weakened lower half of the table team. There's a few my, photos. My, my ambition for Newcastle is that we get to the stage where uh, a victory doesn't warrant a. a a celebratory team. It's not as bad as a victory ending up with a celebratory DVD release, which we've got form for as well. Or a draw. Yeah. Yeah. DVD released draws before. But I was going to say, yeah. the, um, we seem to have a bit of a tendency for embarrassing photos at the minute. Have you seen Murdad Gadusi's introduction to Instagram? I don't care about that. Like it's he photoshopped his face onto whoever it was that scored the penalty against Sunderland. I saw I, I don't want that. I don't want to feel like the person in charge of the club is a 14-year-old boy. I don't mind it. It's just a bit of fun, isn't it? I mean, it's not like I don't know, it's fine. Like right. I don't care. It doesn't it doesn't embarrass me. Not not as honestly, it doesn't embarrass me as much as the team celebrating a 1-0 win at Leeds. It embarrassed me, Dave, and it sickened me. <laughs> I've not stopped being sick since. So uh, let's talk more about the game 
itself. Any players you want to highlight, Dave? Yeah, I thought that the spine of the team had a very good game. I thought um, Dubravka, Shah, uh, Shelby, Willock, um, and to a point, Chris Wood had a he had a, he had a decent game in that he was like effective in the second half at holding up the ball and stuff like that. He didn't score, and he didn't apart from that chance from Fraser where he just missed it. He didn't really look like scoring, but I thought he was he was all right. So that that spine had a good a good game. One thing I was going to say is it felt like those forced substitutions actually played into our hands a bit because like Lascelles has always got a big error in him, and when Clark came on, he didn't make any big mistakes. He didn't do anything particularly right or wrong. He just you know was fine. I thought Manquillo coming on that changed that whole left flank for us because Rafinha was, had Paul Dummett on toast, bless him. Um, yeah, I thought that those forced changes were actually helped us out a bit. I think the um, other one that helped as well was Joe Linton making way for an actual central midfielder. I think it's what said in the build-up to this. I, I think Joe Linton's played well in centre mid, but I think he'd be a lot more dangerous further up the pitch and... I quite like the look of Longstaff, Willock and Shelby together. Just felt like we had a bit more legs. Don't need to buy a central midfielder, do we? We've got it. We've got what we need. <laughs> and, uh, from what I remember, myself and Paul, were, we, we were quite uh, encouraged by... It felt like the best we'd seen from Joe Willock. This Definitely. Right? Definitely. First half, it was a bit strange. It felt like whenever he had the ball... He was never quite in control of it or himself early on. That mm. that went as it went on. But you know when you kind of trip over and you you keep stumbling forward and can't quite get your balance. There was a few bits that felt like that. But the, just the mobility of him is something I feel like we've missed, especially in the Watford game. He is he, he has quite a few a proper box to box moments. He sort of mm. played his way into the game. He does. I mean, he is still the same player who did what he did last season, and that wasn't necessarily it wasn't it, it was kind of a freak event to score that many games in a row none of us I think thought that we suddenly had a world-class midfielder but he does have those same attributes just something's gone wrong so far this season in terms of confidence or or lack of focus or whatever it is or fitness oh, but oh. that game sort of reminded us a little bit as he played his way into it that he He's still a bit of a player, potentially. Go on, Dave. I was just going to say, perhaps it's it's as much to do with the formation. Because I think Willock, as as part of a a three, works quite you know, works a lot better than just him and Shelby in a two or or whatever. I think that as a three, it works quite well, and and it does raise a question: like if if four three three is something that we're going to play in the future. Um, like we're not going to play Wood up there by himself, so Wilson will come back in. Fraser and, and St. Maximum were getting closer to Wood in that game as it went on. 4-3-3 four, four, three, three looked like a good formation to play. Well, it can be a sort of like, what did you call it, like a roaming number 10 sort of thing, you know? like a Yeah, I think especially later up. on, it felt almost like we were playing two up top with Wood and St. Maximum. I don't, didn't particularly mind that either. They looked to have, they were seeming to form a little bit of an understanding. I think they could be quite dangerous together. Hmm. And a goal for John Joe Shelby. It was one of the finest free kicks you'll ever see. I feel like the free kick has been, uh, yes, the keeper made an error. It did hit it quite well. Yeah. And he put it in, yeah, he put it in the right area because if if Melier had palmed it back into the into the six yard box, we had like two or three players that would have been in that that danger area to to get a touch on it and put it into what would then be an empty net. I thought it was it was it was the right decision to make for a team who's perhaps low in confidence and and you know like if he'd had a dig and put it miles wide, like would we have scored? Well, at the time, I was complaining that uh, Trippier wasn't 
taken it because I was excited, you know, in my memory, mm. I just think of that World Cup free kick and I'm like, well, that's what, it's what he does. It's what he does. But um, uh, I was hoping to see him take it, but obviously I'm glad he didn't. Trippier is so far for us, he's the sort of player who I just don't really notice. But in match of the day, Shearer was, was pointing out that he defensively he had been very good in that performance. I just hadn't really noticed it. I think it was a good sort of a highlight reel of him on match of the day. There were a few moments in the match, though, where Leeds would kind of counter-attack. And you suddenly look and think, we we haven't got a right back here. <laughs> He's still one of the furthest players forward. But no, I thought he was very good. I think Shelby had one of his best games. There seems to be a thing with Shelby. If he doesn't get booked early on, then he's just so much more dangerous and useful in the middle. If he gets booked early on, then there's almost no point having him at the base of that midfield three because he can't do anything. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else we want to say on the game before we have a break? Yeah. The penalty that wasn't. Of course, yeah. Right. I was trying to remember which one because we've had so many this season. <laughs> but, um, yes. But, Are we all agreed that was a penalty? Should have yeah. been? It's just it's it's insane. I think it speaks to the level of officiating in the Premier League at the minute, and not just for us, like across the board. I think it's pretty poor, and I think that the VAR should have picked that up. It was it's a stonewall penalty. Yeah, yeah, I'd go along with that. And Sir Maximum, I think before that he went absolutely. Maybe it worked against him. I think before that he went absolutely mental because he should have had a free kick. Hmm went mm. mental at the referee and I don't know if that sort of worked against him, you know, psychologically, but, you know, he definitely should have had a free kick as well. It's, it's probably one of them players who people assume is a bit of a diver or whatever. Yeah, he feels like our Wilf Zahar, who's just mm. been, people have decided he goes down easily. So that's that's going to count against him. But players like him get fouled a lot because they're really good at dribbling. I mean, I might be biased, but I don't think of him as some, somebody who goes down easier. I, I think Almiron goes down easier. Dive, I, I don't think of him as a... I think that, yeah, the, the bit that annoys me at Maxim isn't that he goes down easily, it's that he gets up afterwards too slowly and you just... <laughs> you'll be under <laughs> under the cosh for some kind of counter-attack and he's just I've, getting up, lifting his arms around. I'll say, it before, I'll say it again, it really reminds me of Andy Murray. <laughs> he does when he's not actually when the, when he's not actually playing football but he's on the pitch he's always limping around and sort of acting like he's really injured which is yeah. Andy his whole career one last thing to say on the game is that we have lost uh, Joe Linton to a groin issue hopefully it's a, it's just a, something that he can get over in the next week or so because I do think he's quite important for us we've lost Lascelles and to they think it's a hamstring injury, and they've and we've lost Dominic again. So we're again we're three men down. Well, it's a couple of weeks till our next fixture, isn't it? Which means that we do have some time to make some signings before that game. But will we make them? Perhaps we have made them as you listen to this. Who knows? But we'll have a break now, and then we will uh, join you in transfer corner. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. Good break, guys. Very nice. Really good. I'm having a ah. coastal saltbush hazy pale. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> not even sponsored by those wankers anymore, Dave. I don't know, are we? Are we still sponsored by... <laughs> I don't know. Are we? Take it out. I thought. Else. I think we're sponsored by um, like electric bikes or something these days. Really? Yeah. All right. Our, um, cool, our cool kings. More middle class. Pretty cool. Where's our so, free uh, e-bikes? That's what I would have. So, I, I did say our next fixture isn't until the end of the transfer window and isn't for another couple of weeks. But actually, our next fixture, I forgot to mention, is on the 20th of January, and it's against Al 
Itihad. Because we the now 20th are, of January. 28th. Uh, we are now, as a club, uh, currently in the, um, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. We've flown in for, as Eddie had, as he how, Eddie Howe says, purely football reasons. Yeah. Purely, <laughs> that's, the, that's the only reason we've gone. <laughs> so all, that's what, this is what all the clubs are doing. They all go to Saudi Arabia for their warm weather training. Um, is, it, it's, is it the smartest thing to do? I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm not saying it's we're not necessarily going to make or break our season. Why the fuck are we going to... I mean, we all yeah. know why we're going to Saudi Arabia. And it's fucking... Football great. reasons. It's football, for football reasons. reasons. You don't care about it, Dave, do you? I think it's stupid. Paul? Yeah, I think it's it's really bad sport washing as well. The whole point of sport washing is to sort of associate your toxic brand with a successful sporting endeavour, not drag an unsuccessful one over to your controversial country and make it the headlines. It's but they, they can't we're not a Premier League team. Say that again, Dave. They, it will have been part of the strategy to keep the, this like the wave of um PR that's happening in their country going. They they like they are now getting a Premier League side because we still are to come over and play a friendly and they'll loads of pomp and circumstance over there. And that will drum up interest in their country for Newcastle United. And that's why they're doing it. They're not doing it for legacy fans like you and I. They're just doing it for the people over there. And it makes sense. And it's, it might be unpalatable to, to us, but it's not about us. It's about them. I think the only... Exactly. I mean, the it only, makes grim sense. Go on, Paul. The only ethical plus point that can possibly be to it is for the... It's good medical training for the Burns unit out there with the Longstaff brothers being exposed to that that level of sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be quite useful for them. That's the only part of it I'm behind. But no, it's, it's really grim, but i kind of glad in a way because I was starting to get a bit too used to just ignoring who our owners were and just concentrating on the football, which is a bit of a luxury. I don't think you can really have it's been nice to cement oh yes we're owned by cunts aren't we and you can't just pretend that link isn't there it brought it all back to me and it was like and it made me realize oh you have these thoughts of like oh well maybe i'll sort of be able to compartmentalize that and just sort of forget about it just for my own peace of mind but no they really want their money's worth straight away come over here and have your photo taken with some murderers, please. I, I think it's incredibly grim. And you say it makes sense. Not from a footballing perspective. We're in the middle of a relegation battle. We've won two games all season. The transfer window may end up going all right by the end of this week. Who knows? But it's not gone particularly well. Going to Saudi Arabia maybe doesn't affect that. I don't know. But it's... There's a reason clubs for their warm weather training go to Portugal or something. <laughs> well, a lot of them seem to go to kind of Dubai and stuff. It's not, yeah, not insane. And, and and certainly Man City go across to the Emirates, and um, I mean, no, Chelsea don't go to Russia. But you know, <laughs> this is their Rocky Four training camp. <laughs> <laughs> this this is the bed that's been made, and we have to lie in it and I, I understand your reservations but mate it's it's a warm weather training camp in a horrible regime fine here's Fuck, a question like, for you I don't care do you, yes. do you watch Disney Plus there's your smoking gun there's your smoking gun have you ever used an Uber <laughs> car hmm? can Uber I just car? I don't know if I've made this point on that on the pod but just to nip that in the bud, anyone who wants to reply with that, oh, do you use Uber? Yes, but when I'm in the Uber, I don't sing songs about how much I fucking love Uber. I don't, <laughs> I'm not emotionally attached to Uber. All right. Well, you know, that's, it'll, it'll come up every now and again. And uh, there we are. But let's, let's talk about uh, football. Let's talk about transfers. As it stands, we've, 
last week we thought we were about to um, sign a penalty-giving superstar uh, Diego Carlos. As I understand it, that is still possible. There's a lot of toing and froing about the fee. There's talk of their getting Martial, so they need our money. I don't know. We'll have to see on that. But we've also just made at the time of recording, we've just made and had a bid accepted on a player. Dave, who's that player? Well, I can't pronounce his surname, but it's Bruno Gumierez, Gumierez, something like that. And he is he is a special player. There's no two <laughs> ways about it. Surname. I heard I can't his surname. I first heard of him 20 minutes ago. But no, he no, 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 is no, no, no. a special I've, player. Not like I've, that chancer Diego Carlos, who we never rated anyway. <laughs> this guy No, is, like if if you told me at the beginning of the, the transfer window that we would be um how we would be bidding for a player and it's I just can't pronounce his name. Like I've seen it written down. I can't pronounce it. Like have I don't you ever like, seen like, him Have you ever seen him? Only play? only highlights. Only highlights. YouTube I've not sat and watched Leon. You've seen you've seen him a uh, YouTube compilation. Uh, yeah. Okay, but he's a special player. He's a special he special player. Like statistically and yeah, he is a special player. Like I'm not I'm not making it up. Like because we linked with him and we put in a bid, I immediately went and like had a look and found out if he was and in. the verdict is in he's a special he's, special. <laughs> he's, he's a, a special player, player. <laughs> have you seen him play no but I've looked at some stats on a YouTube when you watched his and YouTube let me tell you <laughs> when you watched his YouTube thing did you then bookmark that and put it in your special players folder <laughs> including everyone <laughs> we've ever been linked with <laughs> fuck off you guys he is he is a really oh, he's a special player. player I agree I've yeah. never heard of him he sounds like he sounds like he's fuck off there. But, but I'm sure he's special. The, the thing is, like you, you, he is a good player. That's what makes him three special. Cap, no, three caps for Brazil. The first of which was in 2020. So he's still in it. You know, he's still in and around the Brazil squad. That's good. That's a good sign. I, I looked up. He was he was signed. I think a couple of years ago for. For twenty million euros, and now he's, according to us, worth forty million euros. So that would suggest that he's not deteriorating as a footballer. Well, it suggests he's a special player. It suggests he's a Fuck special God. player. But we'll Fuck have to God. we'll have to see. Um, Shoots on um, Twitter says so. Uh, any hipster transfer tips from Dave? Any Nicaraguan under twenty threes we should be bidding on? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Playing, I'm making uh, it out. He's not. He's clearly not. You can fuck off. Fuck he's off. He's not a yeah. under twenty-three. He's he's capped by Brazil. He he might be amazing, but you know, he is a special. I, I, player. I would put him in the category of all honest contributors to this podcast. Will say, uh, <laughs> who the fuck knows? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Everything comes with a caveat that you don't know how it's going to be in the. In the Premier League, but he is, he is really fucking. I put it this way: the types of teams that were looking at him were like Chelsea, Liverpool. They were having a look at him, and they were willing to put in a bid. Arsenal were looking at him, and things like that. We've come in. Why have they not put in a bid? I don't know what. Like yeah, Liverpool, I don't know. Liverpool I hate... like they've got like Naby Keita and Jordan Henderson and, and yada yada. And Chelsea have got like a raft of centre midfielders who are very good. And Arsenal maybe they can't afford them. I don't know. No, but... I hear there are other clubs interested. And it, it, I, a more general point, and I'm away from being facetious. It, it does seem that the club is desperate to sign some more players, and it, it's not so far going as uh, quite as well as they hoped right Paul yeah it's we we don't seem to be run by people with any experience of signing players apart from Trippier who was desperate to get back to England and Chris Wood who had a, a release clause quite far above his market value what worries me is I think we said this last week it's shades of 
before the takeover and shades of when we were trying to appoint a manager, every detail seems to leak out and we're constantly told we're confident that we're going to get these deals done. And then it goes on for days longer and then it's suddenly like, oh, we no, they don't want to sell them. There's no, there doesn't seem to be any transfer now. I don't know why. All the things like where we say, where we say, um, Newcastle are going to do everything they can to get this player. And it's like, well, the selling club's going to go, all right. Yeah. We'll stick another 10 million on the asking price then. And but I mean, are they, are you attributing those leaks to the club? Yes. Or, or, or the journalists who've, yeah, it's, it could be the agents, it could be all, all manner of things. And the important thing is for me is that we are approaching players, we are approaching clubs. And everything that I've read suggests that certainly for Botman, certainly for Carlos, the, the 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 money just kept going up and up and up and up and up, like the transfer fee the demanding. And at some point, it's all well and good saying, I'll just go and sign a player. But like if everybody's putting money up and up and up and up, that's going to have long-lasting impact on your FFP. It's going to have long-lasting impact on the value of the, like, the club. It's going to have... It's, it's, they have to make a decision. But I and think I think then, when the other party, just to finish my point, the other party is is in, like, understandably saying, you're the richest club on the planet, prove it. Give us more money, give us more money, give us more money. Fine. But at some point, you're just going to back out and go, he's not worth £45 million. But so, I think, fuck that. I think a director of football who knows what they're doing doesn't get involved in going after that level of player or with clubs where they think that's going to happen. I think that it's just naivety at the board level. Look at how, how many weeks have we spent going after Botman and Carlos. You just think either save that level of target for the end of the window where you can find out quickly or have more realistic targets where you've already set up the moves with the clubs because you have people with contacts and experience of doing that kind of thing. I wouldn't rather we wasted time going after players and not signing them. You as well just not bother but, it's a waste of time but, which we don't have but, but hang on a second I, I think that's I think that's oversimplifying the market I, I don't think it's as simple as just going oh well I know that they're going to put the money up or I've experienced every club every club on the planet is going to put their money up for for us there's just no way around it they know that we've got this unbelievable wealth apparently Atletico available to Madrid. us for who? for Trippier, for Trippier. Well, I think that's that's I think that's an exception that proves the rule rather than the status quo. <laughs> no, seriously, like tri- Trippier, like you said, Trippier was desperate to move back to the the, um, the the country. I think Atletico Madrid were quite happy to let a thirty-one-year-old player go for for twelve and a half million pounds. I think that that transfer in and of itself is like a bit of a, a bit of a fucking unicorn. It, what, it's not likely. We've massively overpaid for Chris Wood. We're going to massively overpay for the majority of players that we sign in this window because we are so rich and because we're a Premier League club and because they know we're desperate. Like there's no, I think if like who the fuck's going to give us a good deal? If that's deal? the case though, then you just go for the players that you can afford to overpay for or sign nobody. The reason we've got Trippier and Wood is because they're deals that were makeable for us with the money we've got. And if you know you're going to have to overpay then, for every player, don't go after players where you're going to have to overpay to a level you're not comfortable with. Go, don't just go for the the best up and coming centre backs in Europe. If like it's so obviously going to get inflated. But I don't, my, have my a, point I, would I don't be, think I don't think it's it's time to say oh they. They clearly don't know what they're doing. They've made a mess of this transfer window and they're a disaster. I'm not saying that. I just, it's it's clear that there are like teething problems and it's it's not going that well. And I think Paul makes a good point about, about leaks. And it is true that, yes, we don't know where each individual leak is coming from, right? I think uh, it may be agents or other clubs or maybe even, I, I wouldn't suggest... The, the top papers, but maybe some of the like these fucking transfer accounts that show up on Twitter where people are just making shit up. But there is from the takeover as well. The takeover did eventually actually happen. But I think Pip Stavely seems to like saying she's got a lot of contacts mm. in the media and she likes seems to like saying very positive things. 
mm. that get people excited. But when it comes to actual transfers, maybe just wait and everyone will be happy when when it's a bit like crying wolf, you know, like everyone will be happy when the actual deal happens. You don't have to keep briefing that you're gonna get this player or you you know. Yeah. I I, I would just to, to touch on something Paul said, like there is a you're kind of squashed into a, a small space where you're saying, well, we can afford to overpay for this player and he will improve us. I think those those two those two variables mean that you're looking you're fishing in a very very small pond. Whereas I think if you you look at certainly like the Botman deal and the Carlos deal, they were talking like thirty five million for each of them. That's that's roughly where they were happy to spend. And for the Botman deal, yes, it might have been shooting for the moon and trying to get him for thirty five million when Lidl didn't want to didn't want to sell him. But the Carlos deal, he wants to leave. He's made that clear. He's put in an official transfer request. And so Sevilla are now stuck with a player who has publicly said that he wants to leave. And they were asking basically, there was a chance in the arm, oh, we'll give us 45 million. Well, you would have accepted 35 million before. So so no. And now they're going to move on to other targets. So like to try and find a a centre half that's going to make us better that we are that we can afford to overpay for. That's a that's a f- small fucking pond. I would it's just a difficult say, I mean, window, I... definitely. Yeah. But I think I think the board have been very very lucky that we've managed to pick up four points from our two January games because there it could have been real negligence not to have any centre backs in for those two games had they gone a different way, which they didn't. So it's kind of a, a pointless point, but just risking those two games without having anyone in. Just, it's just having a director a, of football starting <laughs> before the window opens feels like an obvious an obvious thing. I think we all said when we got taken over, we need a director of football in before the transfer window. Instead, we seem to have got a consultant in who lasted a week and then left. It's just, it doesn't, doesn't seem to be very professional and I don't think we're seen by agents and other clubs as being a particularly professional outfit, which might explain why there's these last minute, we want an extra 10 million, because they think we're dealing with amateurs. It, it might be. And I mean, it is true that these, these um, the owners, certainly Stavely and, and Caduce and all the rest of them, like, they all say, um, sorry, none of them have owned a football club before. So... Of course, they're going to be a little naive. Of course, they are. Of course, they're going to need to learn very quickly on the job. And I think, yes, having a director in football should have been, you know, step number one. But because of the nature of the takeover, because of the nature of the owners, because of the nature of opposition in the league, because of all these factors, everything's harder. So this transfer window isn't just a tricky transfer window because it's January. It's not just a tricky transfer window because we are the richest club on the planet. It's not just a tricky window because we're in the bottom three. It's like it, it is incredibly difficult to find players that we can overpay for, who will improve us, who want to come, and all the like. Fuck me, man! Like it's hard. Should it is hard, but they they do seem determined <laughs> to do it by themselves as well, which is not. I don't know. It just it seems like they're very unaware of their own weaknesses and strengths. Is that like, why would you not? get a director of football in as soon as possible who can actually do those deals. I think there's a little we don't know that they're not trying really fucking hard to do it. Like we have no idea if they're I mean they've certainly been interviewing that Dan Ashworth from from Brighton. And maybe maybe it's just taking time because shit like this takes time. We'll see. We'll see. Like we we won't we'll have lots more opportunities to assess how uh, the window has gone when it's actually finished. Um, Tom Moss says, given all the transfer knockbacks we have had in the past couple of weeks, what are the chances we will submit a cheeky deadline day loan offer for Hamza Chowdhury? Also, do you think we will get another striker or has football run out again? Have we been linked with any strikers? Darwin Nunes. Uh, Duvan Zupata. Oh yes, Zapata. That's I'm hearing a lot about Zapata. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell me, is, is he a special player? Is he is he a special player, Dave? Tell me. 
I'm not going to fucking play this game. I'm looking forward to hearing the Zapatra of Tiny Feet, though. Thomas Burkan says, question for Dave. If staying up was 100% guaranteed with Alan Pardew as the new manager, would you take him back? How long a contract do I have to give him? Eight years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because if it's eight years... Six years the standard for Pardew. (laughs) No. um, Nah. We've said it before. If, If we go down, then fuck it, we, we go down. Like, it's not going to be fatal for us like it would be for other clubs. It'd be funny if it was, though. It'd be funny if this is, this <laughs> is the time we go down and stay down. Because um, all of our squads are in some Saudi Arabian jail <laughs> <laughs> for breaking um, some law over there. I mean, what, you know, yeah. I mean, that's our... Newcastle mid-season trips of the past it was like that's when Shearer and uh, Keith Gillespie had the fist fight wasn't it yeah because mm. the pre-season trips of the past of mid-season trips it was all like loads of booze team building fights can't do that in Saudi Arabia the Reverend Joe Kinsella says John Joe's goal was not great but was so important I'm springing this on you guys. What's the most important but not the best goal we've scored in the past, in your opinion? Ooh. Springs to mind the Gutierrez goal that kept us up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Diame against Brighton. You know, that, that oh, weird yeah. deflection, like seven deflections and in. Um, right. Perez against Huddersfield. Yeah, because it, it that... I'm pretty sure either took us top of the championship or and it kept us in the fight. Anyway, the point is it was an important goal, but not very good. Perez against Huddersfield put us seven points clear and Benitez's one of Benitez's seasons and essentially solidified our sets and our survival. Well Check to tap in against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a tap in though, was it? No, that's the point. <laughs> oh, sorry. He was, was being hilarious. Sorry. I always Jesus forget. Christ. Sorry, I always forget how funny Paul is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not funny, I'm just a special podcaster. He's just a special podcaster. The yeah. guy is special. How do you pronounce his surname? I don't know. <laughs> Have you seen him play? No. But he, let me tell you, he is a special player. I mean, he may well be. He may well be. Probably, I, I will. I'm willing to bet that um, it is almost 100% certain that he will become the best central midfielder in our squad. I think apparently he'll, he's he'll become the best. Um, he'll become the best midfielder in Arsenal's or some other continental clubs midfield. Yeah. I get the feeling it might be one of those where we're being used to flush out interested parties that they want to go to maybe yeah but I hope not Hmm. Theo Penn says why isn't Almiron getting a sniff under Howe does it require a system change or does Fraser really offer more favouritism from Howe there's a bit of discussion underneath that uh, amongst our listeners Um, anything you want to offer on that Almiron why is he not getting a, a look in he just really. doesn't play. Yeah, he doesn't fit the system, and the system's more important than any one player. Fair enough. He could, yeah. I mean, he could in theory play where Fraser's playing, couldn't he? But yeah, but Fraser Fraser offers more in terms of chance creation than Almiron. Almiron's very good at progressing the ball. He's quite like um, Gutierrez um, in that regard. Like he'll he'll pick the ball up and he'll you know carry it and win a free kick or a, or whatever. But he's not great at creating chances or finishing them. Andy Sheldon says, regardless of players coming in or not, will Howe be able to keep his job if results don't improve? Or are we keeping him for life in the championship? Um, he's probably ours for the rest of the season, isn't he? I'll be surprised. I don't know. I don't think the Saudis will... I think they'll be quite trigger happy if it looks like we're going to get relegated in the say, 10 games to go. I don't, I don't think, think, think that Watford, I mean, Ranieri was hired 
before Howe, wasn't he? But uh, Ranieri was, was only been in the job, I think, two and a half months or maybe three and a half months, but not long at Watford. It's not going well. And um, Watford have got rid and brought in Roy Hodgson to try and keep them up um, after just getting that victory. I don't think we're at that stage yet, but... No, but I, I also think like you have you have to appreciate the level our owners are now. We're like backed essentially by a state. They're not going to be willing to have a season in the championship. And if it looks like they can make a quite simple decision and have a better chance of staying up, I think they'll they'll definitely pull the trigger on that. Well, a major factor with Mike Ashley in the past was that he just didn't want to spend the money that it cost to sack a manager, did he? And he also gambled because because it had worked in the past with the likes of Carver um, and somebody else, I forget. Uh, we stayed up and by not sacking the manager, by you know, by by staying with somebody who's clearly not very good at the job. Um, so he just gambled that we'd do enough because at no point, like both times we were gone down, we went down in the 18th position and we were never like massively cut adrift. So he always gambled that we'd do enough to survive. Do I think the Stavely and the Saudis will have that same comfort with that gamble? Don't know. No idea. Benitez, I'd stick with how because. Benitez is available now, and I have one thing, it would be absolutely hilarious if he took us down twice. Um, you seem to find the, the thought of us being, like the thought of Newcastle United missing out on players, losing games, getting relegated, far funnier than any other Newcastle fan I know. It's how I deal with life. I, do, I just, <laughs> I would be great in a war, as long as I didn't have to fight. <laughs> The worse it's going, the funnier. I don't know. I, I find um, punctured hubris amusing, I guess. So I what I was delighted with our victory against Leeds. When I'm actually watching us play, I cannot, I am not sat there thinking about the politics surrounding the takeover. I'm not sat there thinking about uh, any of that stuff. But when we're not actually playing, and I, I just find it quite funny it, when people are very sort of like hubristic. I find it funny. To, but this has been the case for the last, like for the the duration of this podcast. What? You're, you're a fan of the punctured hubris, and I don't think that under Mike Ashley, Newcastle United could, could be accused of hubrism. No, but I think Mike Ashley could during that regime. So it always felt when we were in the shit, there was always an element of, well, this feels deserved, but only because of his hubris, not ours. And now it's it's the double You're... whammy of we've got the awful owners and there's a, a big chunk of Newcastle fans who can't seem to wait until with a signing just ludicrous players regardless of where the money's come from. I kind of, I get you, but then as soon as we're on the field, I kind of think, I just want us to win. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, and I'm, I, I find a way of enjoying it either way. I just think, I would, I would rather we stayed up. I, you know, I just, it's better to, a better way of coming to terms with the thought of us going down is to think, well, that would be quite funny. Yeah. but I think as well the stakes have kind of been removed from relegation now because of the wealth we have we will immediately come back up but there's there's no doubt well yeah and if we can can also afford so it would still be fine see what I'm what I would find they can afford to give up on us right there have been I don't expect that to happen but that, that there have been enormously rich owners of championship clubs who've just decided I don't want I'm not enjoying this actually I don't want to put in yeah but yeah I was going to say they don't have skin in the game but perhaps with our owners that's probably not the best the point is like 
they're not buying us as a as a purely vanity project in the same way as say Ellis Short did at Sunderland. That was a vanity project. It, it, we're not the same. That's not the same. They're using our club to try and paint their regime in a better light. Fine. The the facts are that they're not going to go anywhere. They are just going to keep coming at it. They keep putting money in until we are as successful as a Chelsea, a Man City, a Man. Well, Chelsea or a Man City, I suppose. Well, we'll see. We'll see. That remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, let's have a... I mean, let's leave it there. There's not much point predicting our, our next game. It's not for quite a long time. It's who knows what our squad will be then. It's Everton at home. We beat them twice last season. So They might have a new manager in by then. They might not. Uh, be interesting. Could still be Duncan Ferguson. Could be Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Could be Frank Lampard. <laughs> Who knows? All you can guarantee is it will be the wrong man for the job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All you know with Everton. They're in real danger. Like I, I know we're not going to do predictions or anything, but um, if, we, if we were to beat them, if we were to beat them, we'd only be a point behind them and they'd be dragged right into the mix with the rest of us. Everton yeah. could be in danger. Of, if, if they appoint the wrong guy, like a catastrophically the wrong guy, they could they could go down for the first time in I don't know however many years because they have been relegated before. That's it's it, that's, that's not in the Premier League era. No, no, um, not the Premier League. So I think yeah, as well, uh, Leeds now could get dragged into it too after the weekend. It's not unthinkable. Yeah. I agree, but maybe even Brentford. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, there are. Uh, we're on the up. We've won a game. So uh, we'll have to see. Um, but uh, let's leave it there. Uh, thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Fergus. Thank you, Paul Durden. Thank you very much. And thank you to you, the Newcastle NASA listener. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.